What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of the No Stopping Kev Show, the podcast where basketball lessons become life lessons. So as always, man, you know, thank you so much for being here. I definitely, definitely really appreciate it um, from the bottom of my heart. And I just ask that, hey, share the show with a friend or two. Um, But, you know, today's show is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Pops isn't here with me today. It's all good. Um, So, you know, I'm going to be holding down the fort, you know, as uh, as the OG kind of trained me to do. Um, So, you know, we're going to kind of get right into it. Um, If you if you don't already, be sure to follow the podcast page on Instagram at the No Stopping Kev show. Also, my apologies. I know I told you guys NoStoppingKev.com will be launching next week. Uh, Had to get a few things sorted out so that we'll go live this week. So be on the lookout for it. And if you want to be among the first to know when it goes live, make sure you follow me on Instagram at the No Stopping Kev Show. All right. So today, uh, you know, I just I just thought I should, you know, talk about something that kind of, you know, rocked the world, um, definitely rocked the United States and definitely rocked Asian communities across America and globally, uh, quite frankly. And that's the terror attack that occurred um, in Georgia uh, this past week, last Tuesday. So on Tuesday, Robert Aaron Long, 21-year-old, drove to three different Asian spas and murdered a total of eight people, six of whom were Asian women. I think at this point in time, investigators do not have a solid motive, but Long did say that his reason for going to these places uh, was to, you know, he saw he had apparently he had some sort of sex addiction addiction and these places he viewed as temptation for him. So he was trying to eradicate that temptation. So many layers to that statement. I'm not going to unpack all of them today, but, you know, this is another incident where, you know, it's white supremacy at its finest here in America. And, you know, attacks on Asians, it this isn't new. This is something that goes back decades and decades. And we've been seeing an increase of it in 2021 alone uh, with attacks on, you know, a lot of elderly Asian people from being shoved to the ground, beaten, And, you know, as I said before, this is something that's been going on for a long time now, but it got even worse during the Trump presidency, uh, specifically during the period of the COVID-19 pandemic, where you had very racist rhetoric floating around. Terms were being thrown around that was very disparaging. And when you have people that blindly follow words, lies, nothing good comes from that. So when you have a president that blames a global pandemic on China, calling the coronavirus, the China virus, throwing around the term Kung flu, that can create some people who are very ignorant to target those who they now see as the cause for this crisis, which shouldn't have been the case ever. Because of all these events, This created a lot of fear within the Asian community and my heart goes out to them. This past week's events made me, you know, dive into some news articles about this and, you know, really get the perspective on what 
Asian Americans are going through in this country. You know, when I'm reading articles and I see quotes from Asian Americans talk about how, um, you know, they have people telling them they don't want their kids in the same school as, you know, other people's children because their kid is Asian. When you have people feeling like, you know, every time they walk out their door, they have a target on their back. They're worried about if someone's going to say something disrespectful to them or even cause physical harm to them. That's very unsettling. People shouldn't have to live in fear. People shouldn't look as look at other people as inferior. So all, all this really um, hurt my heart. And, you know, I reached out. I had to reach out the, to, so, you know, I had to reach out to friends of mine in the Asian community. Um, and if, you know, any of you that are listening that I haven't reached out to, just know you, even if I didn't reach out, you're, you're in my thoughts and prayers, because I know this is a very tough time for you all. Um, but I just want to say to my friends in the Asian community, you know, I'm, but you know, I just want to say again to my friends in the Asian community, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you, for your families and for your community as a whole. I can relate a little bit to what you're feeling emotionally. If there's anything I can do, please do not hesitate to reach out. My door is always open. I know I touch base with a few of you already. Um, but just know your boy Kev is here. We got to keep doing whatever it takes to create order. No, I didn't say restore order because the quote unquote order that's been in place in this country, you know, only empowers a certain type of people. So things have to change. And to do that, we're going to keep working to make sure we get what we deserve. You know, I, I encourage everyone to call this tech. I encourage everyone to call this attack exactly what it was, an act of domestic terror. America was built on racism, and it continues to manifest itself in our lives every day. The crazy thing for me is that the people that America wants you to hate and be fearful of aren't the people I'm scared of at all. The people who scare me the most are the ones that are tasked to protect us, the justice system. And the commonalities between those who commit these domestic acts of terror. That's what scares me personally in my everyday life. This past week, I was actually down in South Carolina visiting some family. It was a great time down there. Um, but we, we went into Charleston one day. Now, I think it was Sunday. Last Sunday, we went into Charleston. And, you know, it was my first time down there. We were going to a nice rooftop, taking some sun, spend some time with each other. But while we were waiting for our table, we're sitting outside this hotel restaurant, out on the street, on a bench, talking, and Devin's grandfather goes, you know, motioning at a church behind us, is that Mother Emmanuel? And then it dawned on me where we were. We were in Charleston. The place where not long ago, back in 2015, the lives of nine African-Americans were taken by a white supremacist by the name of Dylan Roof. The church Papa was motioning to actually wasn't Mother Emmanuel, but Charleston isn't a big city, right? So I, I Googled it to see where it was actually located, see, to see if it was close by, in fact. 
And in fact, it was. It was actually right around the corner, right behind us. You know, a matter of feet away. And, you know, I started telling them, like, hey, I think that's that's the building right there. And I, I kind of felt, started to become consumed with, you know, I started to become filled with emotion. almost, like, felt myself shaking slightly. And Devin's grandmother, I call her Nana. Uh, Nana asked the young brother working at the valet stand if that was, in fact, the church where those people were murdered. As he confirmed that indeed it was, I just saw the pain in his face. that six years later, that community still feels the pain from that domestic terror attack. I felt it. Back when it first happened and I was only able to follow this coverage through the news, of course, being a person that is a black Christian, I couldn't help but put myself in their shoes. I couldn't help but say, hey, that could have easily had been you know, me in church one Sunday and a guy walks in and just starts shooting, potentially killing me, family, friends, innocent people, innocent lives lost, all because of the color of our skin, which we can't control, nor should it matter because at the end of the day, we're all human created equally. So we all walked over to the church, essentially to pay our respects. I've rubbed the church's walls. I rubbed the exterior walls of the church. I was just feeling so heavy, too, as I was doing it. You just become filled with sadness because you know that the events of that day changed the lives for some people forever. It's a shame we can't bring them back because they didn't deserve to die. You know, as I think about it, if as I, you know, kind of relive that visit in my mind, I, I, I kind of become filled with a little bit of emotion again. Like I said before, watching that on the news, I never thought I would ever be in the vicinity of that building. And it's so much more than a building. But it just goes to show you how, I mean, I guess it's a, a small world. Um, but, you know, in addition, to playing, pay, in addition to praying for those in the Asian community, I'm also going to be praying for the people of Charleston. Um, because, I, you know, I realize that just like I still feel that, just like I saw people there, whether black or white, when asked about that church, as I saw the pain on their face, I know that community still feeling that. So keep them in your prayers as well. So after visiting that church two days later, we see another act of domestic terrorism with Robert Long targeting and murdering Asians. It hit home for me. And you don't have to be Asian for it to hit home. All it takes is for you to be human. That should be enough. So again, to everyone in the Asian community, I'm gonna to continue to pray for you all. And remember, it's everyone versus white supremacy. There is no staying out of the fight, letting it run its course, because if you're complicit 
and you're on the side of white supremacy, whether you like it or not. Let's take a break. Hey, y'all, what's up? Thanks for listening to the podcast. You know, I appreciate y'all being here, being a part of the Unstoppable crew. It means the world to me. As I said at the beginning of the show, nostoppingkev.com is going live this week. That is the week of March 22nd, y'all. I promise you, it's going live. On there, you'll find links to different podcast episodes and more information on the podcast, on me, and events coming up in the future. You'll also be able to buy your No Stopping Kev merch directly there. And I have a special line coming out dedicated to women's basketball. Yeah, I know that's something I'm very passionate about. So please go check it out. Uh, support the podcast, buy some merch, and share the podcast with some people. And don't forget, after you check out the website, make sure you follow us on Instagram as well at the No Stopping Cav Show. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. All right, I'm back. Now I want to use the rest of the show to talk about something else that got under my skin this week. And that has to do with the NCAA March Madness Tournament. The madness of this year's March isn't the upsets on the court, although there's been several big ones. It's the madness that exists in the disparity of resources devoted to men's sports versus women's. So I don't, you, you've all probably have seen it by now, videos, pictures circulating of the difference between the men's workout room in the NCAA bubble versus the women's bubbles workout room. You know, the men had all the equipment, all the the barbells, the machines, everything you can imagine at a state-of-the-art gym. The women had a dumbbell rack with maybe five sets of dumbbells, maybe 15 yoga mats, and that was it. Yes, I'm I'm not I'm not even exaggerating. That's what happened. The reason this all got attention, you know, shout out to Sedona Prince of Oregon who posted the viral video basically showing the difference in the two facilities. And then she even took it a step further. After her video went viral, the NCAA posted a statement saying the reason that the women didn't have the same equipment was due to space issues. And then she fired back and was like, hold on, showed us all ample space that was available for them to put equipment. You know, the difference in what the men had versus what the women had was outright egregious. Made no sense. To be honest, it really looked like they didn't plan on having a fitness facility of any sort for the women. And they were like, oh, shoot, maybe we should have done something. Yo, go grab them dumbbells and those yoga mats from the men's side and put them right here. We're going to call this the women's fitness room. That's what it looked like they did. Because there's no way in your right mind that you would ever say, hey, this is all these girls need. Like, you know, to be honest, I don't even be lifting like that. But those weights, it wasn't even enough equipment there for me. And these girls actually lift. <laughs> like, all the girls that play D1 college basketball are probably stronger than me. I ain't even going to hold you. Like, I respect the grind. They in there working every day. So it's cool. They got me beat. The equipment there wouldn't even have satisfied me. And so the first thing that came to mind is like, who is in this, in these rooms making these decisions? Because like how, who, like who is signing off on that? Questions that need answers. Like who is like, all right, you know, we're going to get all this for the guys. This is what we're going to have for the women. Like there was no one to raise their hand and say, hey, we might need to even this out, a, even just a little bit. 
right? That didn't happen. So again, who's in the room making these decisions? This is why representation matters. This is why it's important to make sure that everyone who is present in these spaces has a voice and that their voice is heard. Throw the whole damn committee out. This is another reason why I've grown a dislike for the NCAA over years, you know, from exploiting players, especially black players, to stuff like this. Like, where's Title IX at? Shout out to all the NBA players that spoke up. LeBron, Steph, Ben Simmons, Kyrie. You know, I think it's important when these guys speak up and take a stand against it because they have a lot of power, huge platforms. And when they lose it, use it for good, especially when it comes to supporting women's basketball, because women's sports in general are overlooked and underappreciated. I think it goes a long way to changing the culture around how society views women's athletics. You know, they've now fixed it. The women's facility now has heavyweights, the squat racks, the benches, the resistant bands, the whole nine that the men's facility has. But it shouldn't take an outcry for it. That should be standard. So, yeah, something has to change. You know, I'm tired of the NCAA saying, hey, you know, these are student athletes. Let's give them scholarships. I was just thinking to myself, like, imagine if, and I know some things are going to change in, you know, the near future. But just imagine if, yeah, they still gave players scholarships because, I mean, sure, why not? They, they should give these kids something. But they should also allow kids to be able to monetize their brands. Like, imagine if Zion could say, hey, you know what? I don't want your – like, let's say he could pick. He could say, hey, I, I either want to be able to monetize myself or take the scholarship. He elected not to take the scholarship, but to say, hey, I'll pay my, my tuition and stuff based off the money I can generate from my own brand. You would have had so many sponsors, you know, coming after this guy from Gatorade to Nike. Everybody would have wanted Zion endorsing their product, right? That would have paid for his tuition alone. And just imagine if players, like, I was also thinking, like, let's say he couldn't pay, right? Let's just say the endorsements weren't there, but he's still one of the best players at his school, at a, at a big-time basketball school. I watch March Madness every year, and I see fans crying when their team is eliminated. Imagine if a player could be like, hey, guys, I need y'all to go buy my jersey right now from the bookstore because the money I get from that is going to help me pay my tuition. You don't think 50,000 students would be flocking to the bookstore ordering the jersey online to help this kid get some money so that he can stay enrolled in the school so that he can play on the court? Get these kids what they need. They work their lives off for a chance to make it out, a chance to take care of their families. And while they're in the NCAA, legally they can't really get what they need. They got to wait until Hopefully they go pro. This is another reason why I'm happy that there's other avenues to the NBA now other than just playing college basketball. We talked about one in one of our last shows, uh, the Overtime Elite League. So make sure you check out our last episode of the podcast for more on that. But yeah, y'all, I got to get ready to get out of here. It's been great. A little bit different being in the studio today by myself. But I have one challenge for you. As you, I know you all are, your brackets are probably destroyed right now. I just have one request, one challenge. My challenge is to every basketball fan. 
This March Madness, in order to show your appreciation for women and women in sports, watch at least one women's tournament game. Help their ratings out, expose yourself to something new. Try to find the beauty in women's basketball. As you all know, I love watching women's basketball more than men's basketball, actually. So tune in, try to see the things that I like about it. And if you if you want to know exactly what I like about it, feel free to DM me on the No Stopping Kev Show Instagram, and I'll be sure to respond and let you know my thoughts on why I love watching women's basketball even more than men's basketball. So people, until next time, have a great, blessed, safe week. And remember your friends that are struggling. Keep them in your thoughts and prayers and don't hesitate to reach out to them. Until next time, thank you for listening. Peace.